You're listening to the Grace Family Church Podcast. Notes for today's sermon are available by downloading the GFC Florida app. Well, hello, Grace Family Church. Let's try that again. Hello, Grace Family Church. Uh, For those of you that may not know, I'm Pastor Daryl. I'm an associate campus pastor here on the Lutz campus. And I don't know about you, but I'm ready to jump into the Word of God. Anybody ready? I'm going to ask you to do something. I'm actually going to tell you what I'm going to do so as we get there, you can make sure you keep me on task. I'm going to ask you to do something. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to read a passage. I'm going to lay some foundation, and then we're going to come back to that passage and a couple of other scriptures and give you some practical application. Is that all right? But here's what I need from all of you. I need you to lean in. I need you to open up your ears, your heart, and your mind to hear what God has for us today. I really believe that God is going to proclaim, declare, announce some things that he wants us to be doing as we go through this Hit Space series. So are you ready? No, say I'm ready. ready. All our campuses, come on Temple Terrace, say I'm ready. Let me hear everybody say I'm ready. I'm I'm going to read this one scripture. It says this in Mark 1 and 38. Says Jesus replied, Let us go somewhere else. Let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. Let me read that one more time. Jesus replied, Let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. The sermon title for today is Boundaries, Identity, and purpose. Say it with me. Boundaries, identity, and purpose. Can we pray? Gracious Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, I pray that you guide my tongue, my tone, and my timing. I pray that your word gets revealed, it gets preached, that you move us out of the way so that we can hear all that you have for us in Jesus' name. And the church says, amen. From the moment of conception, all throughout the gestation period, a baby that is is in a mother's womb is being protected. There's a boundary that's being formed so that that baby can grow and flourish. And even after that baby is born, then that baby is put into a crib, which I like to call baby jail. (laughs) You put that baby into the crib Also, so the parents can protect this child. You don't just want it wailing everywhere. So you put them in the baby jail so they won't hurt themselves. And if you are like me and my wife, Tracy, we have five children. We also have what's called a playpen, which was another form of baby jail. And in the playpen, when our children were little, we put everything inside the playpen. We put toys in there, games in there, Bibles in there, food in there, and maybe some instruments inside this playpen so that they could have everything they needed so that they could flourish and grow. But there was boundaries that were being set. I can remember when I was a child, being four and five years old, and asking my parents if I could go outside and play. And my mother would say, yeah, you can play outside in the front yard. We had a big picture window in front of our house, say, you can play in the front yard. And I would say, well, can I play next door? No, you can play in the front yard. Can I go across the street? No, you can play in the front yard. And as I got a little bit older, those boundaries got a little bit wider. And she said, now you can play in our yard and the next door neighbor's yard. And I got a little older and she said, now you can go from this stop sign to that stop sign. But I've got to put boundaries on you so that I can protect you. What I learned much later 
creator is that when you love something, you give it boundaries, not for restraint, but for growth. Boundaries at the core are us making a personal decision to protect what we value most and to give what we value most the proper parameters to grow and flourish. Boundaries have to be set. And God loves you and values you so much that he created boundaries so that you and I can flourish, so that we can grow. For all the ways that we describe God and define God, we don't often, if ever, define God as a God of boundaries. But he is a God of boundaries. He loves you so much that God created boundaries. When God created the universe and the heavens and the earth, he didn't just allow everything to run together. He created boundaries. The sun is still where he left it. The ocean still stops where he claimed it to be. He created Boundaries. When he made the Garden of Eden and placed male and female in that garden, he created them to flourish and he gave them boundaries. In Genesis 1 and 28, he says, I've made you to be fruitful and multiply, to subdue and have dominion. I've given you some boundaries so you can grow and you can prosper and that you can flourish because when you love something and you, don't, and you want to see it grow, you give it boundaries. And that same power that God used to create the universe, the same power that God used to create you and me is the same power that God gave you to establish and set boundaries in your own life. Hebrews 12 and 1, it says this, Wherefore, seeing we are also encompassed by a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight which so easily besets us so that we can run the race with patience. ESV says it like this, let us lay aside every weight and every sin that clings so easily to us so that we can run in, with endurance the race that God has put in front of us. In other words, the writer is saying God has given you power to set boundaries and to cast some things off. It says there's some things that, are, that easily cling to you. There's some things that are easily besetting you or holding you back. And God is saying you have the ability and the power to examine your own lives and say, I'm going to cast away some things. You can cast away weight, burden, problems, hurt, bruises, pain, debt, habits, sins, addictions, bad ideas, bad attitudes, bad memories. Everything that is a weight on you that God hasn't given you, you're supposed to cast off. Now, we understand this. We're looking at Jesus talking in Matthew 16 and 14. Jesus says, if anyone comes after me, let him deny himself, pick up his cross. That means everyone has a cross to bear, but I believe some of us are walking around with crosses that God didn't give us. And God is saying, I need you to let some things go. I need you to cast some things away. This is the only way that you're going to be able to set the proper boundaries. Because the reality is this. You cannot create significant and sustaining boundaries if you don't know the value of what you are protecting. You cannot create boundaries if you don't know what you're protecting. Have you ever been doing your laundry and you found a dollar in your laundry, some money in your pocket? You're happy, but it's not really a big deal. It's, it's a dollar. If you found it on the ground, maybe or maybe you wouldn't pick it up. It's just a dollar. 
But if I gave you a case with a million dollars in it, you might handcuff it to your wrist and hire some security guards because you recognize the value of what's in the case. So you're willing to protect it a lot more. And this is why so many of us struggle in the Boundary Olympics because we don't have an intimate knowledge of our God-given value. And God-given value without boundaries will eventually end in chaos, pain, and ultimately death. In 2 Samuel, the 11th chapter, there's a story of David and Bathsheba. I won't assume that you know the story, so let me just give you a little bit of background on this. David is the king, and David one day is standing up on his balcony. He notices that there is a woman taking a bath. Now, this woman happens to be married. David knows that this woman is married, and David calls for this woman to come to his palace. He ends up having an affair with this woman, and she ends up getting pregnant. David is so embarrassed and ashamed by it that eventually he ends up having the woman's husband killed. In 2 Samuel, the 11th chapter and the first verse, it says this. It says, in the springtime, when kings go to war, David stayed in Jerusalem. So David shouldn't have even been home. He wasn't setting good boundaries. He shouldn't have been home. David stayed home when he should have been out fighting. David stayed home when he should have been out working. He should have been doing what God called him to do, but David decided to stay home. And because David had not set healthy boundaries in his life, it led to chaos, confusion, pain, and ultimately death. And there are two things that are integral to your success if you're going to have some healthy boundaries in your life. Boundaries have to be set, but identity has to be given. Identity, identity has to be given. I'm gonna tell you a little bit something about you. The man that raised me and taught me to love God and love the scriptures and the Bible taught me how to be a musician and, and, and taught me the value of hard work and taught me how to be a man and say yes ma'am and, and no ma'am and yes sir and no sir and told me to open doors for women and pull out chairs. That man who raised me from an infant is not my biological father. It's not, we share different last names. So his last name is Bethany. His name is Charles. So I'm one of Charles's kids. And there's seven of us. And I remember after my mother died and my father got remarried to my stepmother, and me and my brother, we came to the reception and there were all these people that we didn't know. And we come to the reception and this lady at the door says, what is your name? And I said, my name is Daryl Black. And she says, okay, go sit over here in the corner. Later on, my father comes in for the reception and he comes to me and my brother and he says, why are y'all sitting in the corner? And we said, that lady told us to sit in the corner. And I watched my father's face get really upset. And he was like, don't nobody put my kids in the corner. And he immediately told us to get up and come to the front table where all the rest of the family were. And this lady comes over and says, I told them to sit over there. And my father said, yeah, but these are Bethany boys. These are my boys. My father was reminding me that this is where I get my identity from. 
This is the man that I follow, and identity has to be given. The word father comes from an Aramaic word, pater. It's where we get the word paternity. It's also the root word of pattern, which ultimately means that a father gives the identity and gives you a pattern to follow. Is the same thing that when Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. In other words, Jesus saying, if you identify as my sons and my daughters, you'll follow my pattern. I'm giving you a pattern to follow. And this is why it's dangerous to live in a world that says you can create your own identity because your identity should come from your source and our source is Jesus Christ. Yeah. So identity is given. And if you don't believe what God says about you, you won't accept who you are. The only way to overcome the pride and arrogance of a self-perpetuated identity built on feelings, culture, and confusion is to constantly rehearse what God says about you. And God says that you're loved, that you're forgiven, that you're redeemed. In 1 Peter 2 and 9, he says that you're royal, that you're special, that you all that in a bag of chips. He says that you've been called out of the darkness into his marvelous light. In Ephesians 2 and 10, he says, you are his handiwork. You've been meticulously created for his good works. In 2 Corinthians 5 and 17, he says, you are a new creation. In John 15 and 15, Jesus says, I no longer call you servants. I call you my friend. This is our identity in Christ. You have to listen to what the Father is saying about you and repeat it over and over and over and over and over again. Do you know what gets us in trouble? When it comes to identity, what gets us in trouble is that we're constantly trying to prove our identity to other people. We're trying to prove to other people who we say we are. It is a tactic that the devil uses in Matthew 4. We heard about this from Pastor Jeff Countryman a couple weeks ago. It's the same tactic that Satan uses and when him and Jesus are in the wilderness, Satan comes to Jesus and says, if you are the Son of God. I love how Jesus responds. Satan says, if you are the Son of God, then turn these stones into bread. Jesus doesn't try to prove that he's the Son of God. He just gives him the word. See, when your identity has been given to you by God, you don't have to prove yourself to anybody. All you have to do is walk in the identity that you've been given. See, boundaries have to be set. Identity has to be given and purpose has to be accepted. One of the most asked questions on Google is, what am I here for? What am I here for? What is my purpose? Purpose is the one thing that seems to elude us the most in our life. But I want to offer you some comfort for everybody that's searching. God has a purpose for your life. Oh, let me say that thing again. God has a purpose for your life. Oh, somebody needs to hear it all the way in the back. God has a purpose for your life. You may not think so, but God has a purpose 
for your life. You were not designed to wander aimlessly through life without direction or intention. You are not an accident, an incident. You are not the product of a plasmic mistake. You are not a group of random cells ignited by a Big Bang. You are carefully crafted, fearfully and wonderfully made, physical and spiritual being with a purpose. God has a purpose for your life. And I want to set you free from the idea that you have to discover or find your purpose. God does not want you to find or discover your purpose. He wants you to accept your purpose. If the Bible is correct, and it is, your purpose is not like you're trying to find a diamond in a cave and you have to constantly keep digging and excavating to try to find this diamond of purpose. Your purpose is predetermined. Mm. Yeah, your purpose is predetermined. Even in Ephesians 1 and 4, he says, before the foundations of the world, I chose you. A reminder for us in Jeremiah 1 and 5, he says, before I formed you in the womb, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations before. Before I even formed you in the womb, I knew what I had you to do. I knew what your purpose was and I knew what my plan was before I ever formed you in the womb. He knew you before everything and anything. Before you knew that you liked long walks on the beach. Before you knew you liked romantic comedies. Before you knew that you had a, a, a pension for art or music or athletics. Before you knew, he knew. And he set you apart and appointed you. He gave you a purpose and a calling because he knew. Before you knew, he knew, which means purpose isn't found, it's accepted, and it's also purpose comes from the voice of God. Yeah, I know we think sometimes we get purpose from our family and purpose from our friends and, and purpose from our passions and our preferences, but your purpose comes from the voice of God. In Genesis, when God creates Adam, God doesn't show him and say, hey, Adam, what you want to do? He doesn't ask Adam what he wants to do. He tells Adam, here's what you're made for. And everybody that's watching, everybody in this room is made for something. God has a purpose for your life. And for many of us, the reason that we struggle in accepting our purpose is because we've created too many obstacles between us and the voice of God. We put career children, marriage, money, preferences. We put all these things in between us and the voice of God. And not just you, I've done it too. I've been saved and I've known Jesus for a very long time. I accepted Christ in my life when I was 11 years old. By the time I was 13 and 14 years old, I knew that I was called to preach the gospel through word and song. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. God came to me, and I knew that my purpose was to preach the gospel through word and song. Here's the thing. I knew that God had a plan for my life, but I also had a plan for my life too. 
I wanted to do what God wanted me to do, but I also wanted to do what I wanted to do. Yeah, God, I'm, I'm going to do your thing, but I want to travel the world first. God, I'm going to do your thing, but there's some things I want to see and some things that I want to experience first. And I put some things in the way. And it took me years to learn that my purpose was not negotiable. God fully wants us to surrender our lives. And I made the mistake of mismanaging areas of my life because I put my preference before God's purpose. What's standing in between you and the voice of God? Maybe you're the person that's been struggling with your purpose, or maybe you're the person that's simply missing your purpose. What if you're in your purpose, but you're missing it? If you're missing it. Have you ever been on a road trip with children? Anybody? Yeah. There's moans everywhere. But one of the questions that children will consistently ask when you're on a road trip is, I want everybody to say, what is it? Are we there yet? Over and over again, they're asked, are we there yet? Are we there yet? And then finally, when you get to where you're going, they're in the back seat sleep. They missed that all the time that they were asking, are we there yet? We were actually making progress. And not only were we making progress, when we arrived, they didn't even realize it. And I believe that this happens sometimes to us, that we are constantly asking questions and putting things in a way, and if we aren't careful, we'll look up and miss the fact that the very moment we're standing in is full of purpose. If we're going to create margin in our lives, we have to be in the place God wants us to be so that we can do what God wants us to do and we can get what God wants us to get and ultimately live the life that God has called us to live. How do we do this? Here's your practical. How do we do this? Now we get back to the text. Allow me to set this up for you. It's only a couple verses we're going to read. This text begins in Mark 1, where Jesus is actually finding his disciples. The first two disciples that Jesus approaches is Simon and his brother. And they're in the water, they're fishing, and Jesus shows up where they are. No introduction, no, hey y'all, I'm Jesus, nothing. Jesus says, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. They get out of the water, and they begin to follow Jesus. And while they're following Jesus, they're on the way to Simon Peter's home. And, and Simon Peter, this is an opportunity for us to learn that he's actually married, so his mother-in-law is sick. And so Jesus heals his mother-in-law. The, the, the text actually says that she was laying down sick. Jesus grabs her hand, and she gets up immediately. She gets up immediately and starts cooking. When Jesus shows up in the room, you don't just kind of get up. She was like, oh, Jesus, you want some barbecue? She immediately started serving as soon as she got up. Now, everyone heard that Jesus was healing, so the whole town came that night, and Jesus was healing people all night long. This is where we land here. 
Jesus is healing people all night long, and, and, and after he heal, heals people all night long, verse 35 says, in the morning, while it was still very dark, he got up and went out to a deserted place, and there he prayed. So how do we begin to walk in the purpose that God has for us? How do we begin to hit space and set margin? First, we have to get close to God. There must be intimacy with God. And I know this seems, I know this seems obvious when we talk about prayer, but as much as we say we believe in prayer, we don't always honor it the way we should. More often than not, we treat prayer like a comment card where we leave hopes, wishes, and complaints and not like an opportunity to engage with the creator of the universe who knows our deepest thoughts, our greatest needs, and just wants us to spend time with him. Prayer is not an information exchange. It's an exercise in trust. And if we're going to hit space in our life, we have to be willing to sit with God and have intimacy with him because intimacy with God gives you intelligence of self. So first, we've got to be intimate with God. Second, we have to focus. Say focus. Focus. So Jesus wakes up in the morning and he walks off to go pray. And in the next verse, 36 and 37, he says, And Simon and those who were with him searched for him, and they found him and said, Everyone is looking for you. So more people had come. They showed up in the morning and they all wanted to be healed. And everyone is looking for you. Have you ever felt like everything wants your attention? Everything is pulling at you. Everything is... It wants you to be distracted, but don't let what everyone wants you to do pull you away from what God has called you to do. Focus. Say focus. focus. Next thing we want to know is the next verse when Jesus is healing demons. I love this in verse 34. It says, Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. Silence your demons. If you want to hit some space, you got to silence some demons in your life. Don't allow them to platform to speak on your behalf. What are the demons in your life? Anything that's telling you not to do or that you can't do what God has called you to do is a demon. Anything that is in opposition of what God directed you to do, that is a demon. And Jesus says, you don't even get to talk. When I cast you out, shut up and keep moving. And there are some things in your life that you need to say shut up to. Maybe you need to say shut up to your phone. Mm-hmm. Silence the demons. Finally, keep moving forward. This, of, of this entire text, this is my favorite scripture in this passage. So Jesus heals a bunch of people one night. Then he wakes up early in the morning and he goes to pray. Then all these people come looking for him because they want him to keep healing people because there's more people at the house to be healed and to be delivered. And they finally find Jesus. And Simon says, everyone is looking for you. And here's how Jesus responds. Let's go somewhere else. <laughs> but everybody's looking for you, Jesus. Let's go somewhere else 
to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That's why I have come. They showed up because there were all these people that needed to be healed and delivered and they were looking for Jesus and Jesus said, let's go somewhere else. Jesus doesn't even go back to the house to get his iPhone. Jesus just says, let's go somewhere else. I'm, I'm not even going back to the house. You can keep the clothes. You can keep the food I have in the aluminum foil. Let's go somewhere else. I'm not going back. I need to keep moving forward because this is what I'm here for. This, this scripture, this verse is the epitome of boundaries, identity, and purpose. Jesus is so confident in his purpose and his identity that his boundaries are secure. He doesn't allow what he could do stop him from what he should do. He doesn't even flirt with the idea of detouring from his calling. He said to the disciples, let's go. And he doesn't look back. Moving forward is what God wants us to do. If we're going to hit space, there's some things that we have to stop flirting with. Say, don't flirt. Ooh, say it loud. Don't flirt. There's some things that you have to stop flirting with if you want to create the right margin and hit space in your life. Some of us get entangled because we're flirting with the wrong stuff. Maybe you shouldn't watch TikTok that long. You're flirting with the wrong stuff because you're seeing things and hearing things that you shouldn't be hearing, and that's messing up your boundaries. Have you ever in your life said that I would never do this, and then later you found yourself doing the very thing that you said you would never do? Oh, let me not be the only one. Tell the truth, shame the devil. That only happens because we flirted. It only happens because we're flirting with the devil and we think we can win. You can't win. You cannot win, so you have to stop flirting. If you want to create margin in your life and hit space, now would be a perfect time to say, God, what is my purpose? One of the values that we have here is to be authentic question is, what is my authentic? Your, your authentic is not your skin. It's not your race. It's not your political affiliation. It's not your personality, and it's not your preference. Your purpose and your identity is your authentic. God wants us to repent and turn away from everything that's not like him, and today is a good day to do it. Today is a good day to be changed, to be transformed, and to accept your purpose. I'd be remiss if I didn't take an opportunity to invite anyone who's struggling with purpose and identity, even boundaries, to say, I'm ready to give my life to Christ so that God can set my purpose and God can set my boundaries and I give my life over to him. If that's you, you can accept that right now. There's nothing in, there's, there, there's, no, there's no hope in the world. There is only hope find, found in Jesus Christ alone. Everything that the world wants you to do is opposite of what Christ wants you to do anyway. 
The world says, be yourself, create your own identity. And the Bible says, you are identified with Christ. The world says, pursue your passion and, your, and blaze your own path and your own trail. And the Bible says, take up your cross and follow me. The world says, it's my body and it's my choice. And the Bible says, present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Now is an opportunity for you to accept your purpose. And if that's you, we're going to pray here in a moment. But I just want you to think about it. God, what is my purpose? God, what are you calling me to do? Who are you calling me to be? Boundaries have to be set. Identity has to be given and purpose has to be accepted. If that's you right now, we're all going to bow our heads, close our eyes, and we're going to pray for purpose in this room. And we're going to say it together. Are we ready? Say, God, I choose you over everything else. In Jesus' name, amen. Welcome to the family. Thank you for listening to the Grace Family Church podcast. For more info, check out gfcflorida.com or connect with us by texting the word CONNECT to 81313. We look forward to meeting you at one of our locations soon.